Good evening, everybody. Happy Wednesday evening to all and shalom. I hope everybody had a wonderful day as I did. Very, very busy, but glad to be sitting in this chair tonight with all of you. So tonight is the, I'm Robert Wagner with Saved by Grace. And tonight is the second part of my 10-part series about uh, using my life as a sounding board and putting scripture with it. So we will get back. Nina, shalom. Lee, good to see you. Made it back. Glad to see you, Brother Lee. And Kat is there. Glad to see you guys with me tonight. So I'm going to just recap a little bit. Shalom to my wife, Shell. I'm going to recap just a little bit about what I talked about last Wednesday night, which was ages 0 through 10, 1968 to 1978. I'm only going to add on to four years tonight, which will take me to 14 years old, 1972, but it's also, this is where we're really going to start digging into to my life because this is where we start to get into the beginning of my addictions. The beginning of, well, I don't even know what to say about it. You could be the judge of it because as I've said, I'm going to lay it out on the table. Now, I want to do some recapping just a little bit because when I say I'm going to lay it out on the table, I also want to make sure that whatever situation I'm talking about and whoever the people are that I'm talking about, I want to make sure that there's a truthful picture of these people. I want to make sure that I'm being direct enough so that we understand whether it's me or my family or whoever I may be have talked about or I'm going to talk about. I, I really do. I want a true picture, good or bad. It doesn't matter. I just, I really want, so I feel like I'm going to go back just a little bit into my life and add a little bit to my story. Then we're going to move on. I've got scriptures that's going to go with everything. And, um, you know, and as always, I'm always scattered folks. That's just the way I am. Let me show you how I do things. You see this piece of paper? Can you see that with all my notes and scribbles and arrows and circles? This is how I do things, folks. I am not an overachiever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm the one who would study for a test the night before the test or that day. That's just the way I am. And so what I do is I do a lot of thinking. Then I scribble down my notes. Then I dive into the Bible. I find the scriptures that I want. I scribble that down. I asked my wife if she'll type it out for me, which she does because she's so good at that. And then I just kind of go back and forth. So I'm glad you guys will begin to understand. I, I get a little scattered. So let's go back into my life just a little bit. And uh, I can really <laughs> sticky notes everywhere. You should see my desk at work, Nina. <laughs> James, brother, Jakumba, Shalom. Glad to see you guys are with me tonight. Thank you so much. So. I talked a little bit about my family last week, but I really, there's a couple things that I did not touch on. So I touched on my father being abusive to me. I want to, I want to make something clear though, when we think about my father. So when it comes to my mom, I only remember really just one time 
when he was physically abusive towards my mom, just once. Now, uh, I remember a few times where he tore the house to pieces instead of hitting my mom. I remember, um, you know, he was he was always verbally abusive, which is emotionally and mental also, right? All that goes together. But I just wanted to make that clear. The same thing with my sister. I really only remember once or twice where my dad was physically abusive towards my sister. But again, always verbal, mental, emotionally, always had that abuse. The verbal abuse was horrible. So I wanted to make that clear. When it came to the physical abuse, really, it was always towards me, you know, not towards the women, but always towards me. I always got that part of it. And understand, and I do want to make it clear that it was it was bad. You know, if if I just stepped out of line just a little bit, you know, I really got into a lot of trouble. And also, if I said something that he didn't like, I really got into a lot of trouble. But anyway, I think we've covered that enough that we understand the physical, emotional, and verbal abuse towards me, mainly from my father. Now, what I didn't talk about last week is what it did to me. Now, there's two ways I always have felt. I've thought about this, obviously, my whole life, and I've always felt there was two ways to go because I grew up in a town and in a time where other guys that I knew, other boys, kids that I knew, also had had mean fathers. It's not like I'm, I'm the only one that's had a mean dad. I remember one guy, Jerry, and he was a tough kid. He was a tough kid. Everybody knew that I got beat up at home because when you have black eyes and fat lips and bruises and stuff like that, and you go to school, you know, after a while, it people just know. They, they just know. Not that they're doing anything about it. Trust me, nobody, nobody messed with my father. And that's going to be further into my story. But I now understand why nobody messed with my dad. Besides the fact that he was mean and big and bad and fast, there was more to it than that. And that's going to be kind of a surprise kicker that I'm going to save for a little bit further down because I really didn't start to put the pieces together until really after I got sober. So that'll come. But, uh, you know, I can remember a lot of the tough kids um, not picking on me because they knew what happened to me at home. They knew. One of them came up to me. I remember one time come up to me and said, yeah, yeah, my dad's that way to me too. And he was a tough kid, you know? So that my point is, I didn't go that way to being a tough kid. I went to the way of being a very shy, quiet, and awkward boy. Very, very awkward, very shy, very quiet. Because I was terrified of my father. And also, back in that day, my father would tell anybody that he would go to my school and tell my teachers. And everybody, all adults, had the permission of my father to set me straight if I stepped out of line. So I was really afraid of adults. I was, I was terrified of adults. And so... Honestly, 
even though I was a bad kid, I stayed in line in certain situations. You know, I knew to keep my mouth shut. Okay. So I want, I want you to understand that I was an extremely awkward boy, extremely awkward. So, so instead of the beatings making me tougher, they did not. They made me weaker. They made me shy, withdrawn. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because, because you know, I really am trying to paint a, a full picture here. And I've actually, I've got some, uh, while, I'm, while I'm on that, I've got some scripture I'm going to read right off the bat about that, um, about the fear that I went through. I mean, I was, I, I was, I was so awkward. I had a lot of friends and a lot of people liked me. I wasn't really, um, I wasn't, the J is pronounced as an H. I hope I say this right, or you can call me Dan. Hakumba, I hope I'm saying that right. I apologize for pronouncing your names wrong. I'm horrible with names and stuff. Thank you, Dan, for correcting me, though. I appreciate that. Um, and so anyway, I mean, I was just so shy and withdrawn and awkward. And so I have some scriptures I want to read about that because the whole purpose of me telling you this stuff is putting the scriptures with it so that we can help other people in the world who are having the issue I have. I never had any help as a kid. Nobody would help me with the issues I had. Remember I told you my dad was the oldest out of 13 kids. That means I have 12 aunts and uncles. And they're pretty cool people. They're all crazy as hell. But they're pretty cool people, but they would never step in, you know, in front of my father in the way he was. And other aunts and uncles that I had on my mom's side, they all said, yeah, he treated you hard. And we, we always thought he treated you hard, but nobody would ever help me. There was not help for me. I was all by myself with my fears and my anxieties as a little kid, right? Just so you know that. So, Proverbs 1, 33. But whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Now remember, folks, just consider me at this point, consider me being an atheist. I do not believe in God. I do not have God in my household. All right? That's really all we need to recap about that. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 12.18 There is that speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So remember, my father is very verbally abusive. That's why that's what we're getting out of this scripture here. Why it was it was it was just so detrimental to my mental health, to the way I was, to the person I ended up being. Because if I had any love, or if I had any any scripture in my life, even with the evil that was in the household. 
maybe I would have been a better person. Okay. That's my point. It was my point last week. Also as a child, you know, with no love, no God in the household whatsoever, it's no wonder, you know, whether it's an excuse or not, but it's no wonder why I turned out the way I did. It's no wonder why I took the path that I did. I understand that at any given time, I could have taken a different path, but I didn't. I took the path down the road of of evil, if you want to know the truth. I mean, really, that's that really about what you what you can call that. Thanks, Nina. I appreciate that. And Nina, and, and thank you. And I, I don't want people's hearts to hurt because of my story. That's why I'm putting it out there, Nina. I want I want my story to now be able to do good out there. That that's what I'm hoping, and that's why I'm sharing scriptures with my story so that we can take what I had to experience out into the world and do good because today I've got a great life. Just so you know, today where I sit right now, I got no complaints. I wake up happy. I go to bed happy, right? But it's just not the way it always was. But that's why Yah put this into me, into Yah put the, the Ruach into me on this particular series that I'm doing because I really think that we can that we can do a lot of good from my experiences. Praise Yah is right. Um, I'm going to read some out of James, and then we're going to move on a little bit. So let's read some James and understand why I'm reading this. It's all because of my emotional and mental uh, no, disorder, I guess you could call it. You know, I mean, really. Um, Yeah, you're you're right. I you're right. Um, everything I went through has made me what I am today. Absolutely, and I do rejo- rejoice over all of it because I have come out with Yah and an army of angels on my side, and a beautiful wife also, right over here behind me. That's also got my back and some wonderful friends. I mean, I'm. I'm really, the way I look at my life today, all of that did make me who I am today. Let's talk about that real quick. Something just popped into my head. So I was constantly put down as a child, verbally verbally abused, put down, insulted, told I was going to be nothing, right? I never was told that, you know, I don't remember being, being a loving family. I just don't remember all of that. So today, when I go out in the world today, and I've always been like this, I will not insult you. I will not put you down. I will not call you names. I will tell you that I love you. I will tell you that I appreciate you. I will tell you that I care for you. I will ask you what I can do for you. I don't like asking favors of other people. I enjoy doing for others. And it's because of the way I was raised, all of that that violence and fear that was put into me. Well, it did come out good in a way. And and I'm and I'm proud of that of myself. You know, when I say I'm gonna lay it out there, and, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, and I'm really not, I'm not that type of guy, but I'm proud of myself that when I go out into the world every single day. 
I, I, my, my goal is anybody that I encounter, my goal is to smile at them and let them know that I am friendly, that I'm a good person. I don't say that stuff. It's just in my actions. This is the way I talk to people. I don't even, it's just who I am. Right. So anyway, let's read some James. This is where all the solutions are. Remember, I say it all the time. All the solutions are in the scripture. Okay, so James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of gay hinnom. I'm going to read all the way through six through nine. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. Here we go. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. That's pretty powerful. Therewith bless we Elohim, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of Elohim. The, the most important line of that is, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So all that nasty stuff my father used to, oh God, I mean, constantly, constantly yelling and screaming and hollering and putting me down. I mean, he used to tell me, you're never going to make it to 18 because I figured he'd kill me. You know, I mean, really, and that's the truth. I really... There, there was a time in my life where I didn't think I'd love to be 18 years old because of the way I was living and because my father may kill me. And um, so that that poison and the way it, he he poisoned me, he poisoned me. Yeah, he did. No doubt about it. Right. Page one. Damn. All right. So let's move on a little bit before I do any more scriptures. I, I'm just recapping a little bit from last week. Trying to tell you about myself. I've got a ton of notes here. There's a couple more things I wanted to touch on just real quick that were detrimental to my childhood. You're not going to believe, folks. When I start telling you all of the stuff I've had to go through and all the injuries that I've had and all the pain I've had to endure, I'm telling you, folks, you're going to wonder, how did I live? <laughs> how did I make it through everything? Because wait till you hear about about everything that my body has endured, my brain, my mind. I mean, it's crazy. So another thing that I told you about my ear issues, my major operations I had on my ears, you remember all that, my hearing problems that I have up till today. Another thing that I had to do, so I had to go to speech class as a kid. And that was embarrassing too. My problem, and, and sometimes you'll hear it when I'm speaking sometimes, I have a hard time with my R's and my W's. And sometimes I mix them up. And you'll hear it every once in a while it still happens to me, but I did it. It was so bad for me growing up as a kid. That was before I was 10 years old that I had to go to speech class all the time to learn how to properly say my R's and my W's. And it was just another thing that was kind of embarrassing for me as a kid. So I got my hearing issues, my problems. I got my problems with my father, my mother, my sister. I can't speak properly. You know, it's just another thing to add on to the pile, right? 
I'm sorry, Heather, that you had one of those evil step monsters. I'm really sorry about that. Very sorry about that. So anyway, and thank you for my lovely wife saying this stuff about me. I really appreciate that, of course. So I talked about being shy, withdrawn, awkward, fearing of adults. I already told you I was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. We already know that, okay? Nothing's changing. That doesn't change until I get sober. So we got a long ways through my life until I actually become to straighten myself up. So we already know all of this stuff. Just keep all this stuff in mind as I'm telling you. It's, it's crazy. One other thing. I can't remember who asked me last week. It's just, I just want to mention it just real quick. Somebody asked me last week if swimming in a lake, I grew up on a, on a lake, if swimming in that lake had anything to do with the infection that ate the insides of my ears out when I was 10 years old. Come to find out, I asked my mom. My mom said that the doctors could never figure out what the infection, what caused it. But she said just before it happened, we went with some friends on their boat in the Hudson River and were swimming in the Hudson River. And then shortly after that, that happened to me. So it, I may have picked up the infection from water and and now I have my hearing problems and everything. So I had those, yeah, the speech classes and stuff, learning how to speak. Yep. So anyway, I am, just let me look at my notes real quick so I can go through. So I've told you all about liar, cheat, thief, all that kind of stuff. I was a stupid kid also. I, I really was. I was just a dummy. I was just, I, I always made bad decisions. I always did. I don't know why. And, and, and I guess it's because nobody taught me. Nobody has ever taught me anything I feel like in my life, ever. When I made mistakes at home, my father never sat me down and said, son, you made a mistake. This is what you need to do to fix that mistake and how not to do it in the future. I never got that talk. I hope you guys did because I never got anything, never anything, never any good advice. Not that I can remember anyway. So anyway, so let's move on a little bit. And one other thing, one other thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I told you I got scribble notes everywhere. <laughs> Hang in there with me. Um, the other thing was that uh, I wanted to make clear that I do feel is important because I talked about my father being so mean and also my father being an alcoholic. But here's something that I think is important to know because it does have to do with how I was brought up. Uh, so I was brought up blue collar all the way in a mountain town, but my father was a workaholic. And we didn't want for anything. If my father, the only thing, only good that I can think of that my father ever did was that he provided very well for the family. We always had side businesses. We were always doing side jobs. My father was a workaholic. He made me get up at 430 in the morning and go to work. We were always working. My father had a white collar job, but he was a blue collar man and he made a good living. But then he was, we always had side businesses. We sold firewood. And when I say we sold firewood, I mean, we sold a lot of firewood. Remember, I was raised in New Jersey. Lots of snow, lots of snow every year. We sold a lot of firewood, him and two of his buddies. Uh, we had a side business of selling diapers, 
Um, we were always helping because we were in a blue collar. It was only a blue collar town. And because of that, we had landscaping and mowing yards. And I mean, you name it. We were always working, always doing something. My father was a, an electrician by trade. That's not what he did for a living. He was an operations manager for a huge electrical supply company in the city. He had to drive to the city to go to work. And so, so, and my mom always worked also. So our household was always provided for. We didn't want for clothes. We didn't want for food. We didn't want for, so I don't want to make that mistake when I tell you that my father was a functioning alcoholic, always working, but he was a mean drunk. I just wanted to throw that in there also. Like I said, I'm uh, West Milford, Heather, as far northwest tip of New Jersey, where the Appalachian Mountains run across that tip of New Jersey. That's where I'm from, as far up as, as you can go. So where do you go, Yankee sister? <laughs> I've been here for 37 years. I've been where I'm at now. So I'm going to move on a little bit. So now I am one of those guys who has done everything that I said I would not do. So first, I said I would never drink alcohol because I saw what it did to my father. I said I would never smoke cigarettes because, man, I hated that smell. My best friend's father, who I actually considered more of a father to me than my own, he smoked cigarettes, and it just choked me out. I hated that smell. I said I would never do drugs. Right. I and I said that stuff out loud. I mean, I, I was adamant that I would never, ever do any of that stuff. So at the age of 11, and I wonder if I could ask my sweetheart of a wife that's listening to me if I could have a cup of water. I still, she, she's so awesome. Um, I'm, I'm a lucky man. So and you all know my wife. I'm so lucky. Um, I forgot to get myself a cup of water. I was preparing. So at the age of 11, me and three of my other buddies, I'm not going to name names. Well, I can name, I could probably name first names. Me, Kenny, Johnny, and Brian. We all camped out in Kenny's parents' trailer. Because remember, we're in the woods. So we spent a lot of time. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. We spent a lot of time outdoors. We all camped. We played outdoors. That was the, uh, you know, it was all woods around us, right? So it was always outdoors for us. So we stayed in his camper that night. And lo and behold, so Miss, so, so Kenny's dad, who I call Pops, Pops not with us anymore, unfortunately, but I really did consider him to be my second dad, maybe even my first dad. And, um, so Pops did not drink, but Pops and my dad were best friends. So Pops always had gin on hand for my father. My father's favorite drink was gin and tonic with a squeeze of lime. And so, um, so anyway, so, so Pops always had gin for my dad. Well, lo and behold, us four kids, we were 11 years old. All of us were 11, staying in the camper that night. We found a fifth of gin in the camper, a full fifth of gin. Let me tell you something, folks. That was the worst thing in the world to get our first drunk on was gin. But we drank that whole fifth of gin, the four of us. 
we were sloshed. We had never been drunk before. We were drunk as can be, acting the fool, had a great time. We had a blast. We all got sick as can be. Woke up the next day, just, oh, like we were all just going to die. I mean, it was awful. We're only 11 years old. But here's the kicker. Something happened to me that did not happen to my friends. From that moment, for the next 25 years, I would drink as much as I could, whenever I could, and do anything that I had to do to have that alcohol. So, starting off, and and so let me tell you something. There, so, so, this is what starts to happen to me. The alcoholic gene inside of me kicks in it kicks in and it's going to kick in full bore full speed ahead for robert so i did a lot of things by myself when i was a when i was when i would even before i started drinking and i would steal things my friends didn't do that they didn't do that and they didn't know i was doing that they did i didn't tell anybody i was always by myself a lot even though i had a lot of friends right a room full of people and feel like you're all by yourself. You understand? And so when I started to drink now, now at that point, 11 years old, I would start to drink as much as I could whenever I could. Now at that age, it wasn't as available. I didn't, I didn't start to drink every single day right off the bat. Let's put it that way. Okay. But whenever I could, I would, and nobody knew what I was doing. Now, my father being an alcoholic, and he liked to entertain and everything, our house was full of alcohol, full of alcohol. So one of the things, my father used to bring home cases of liquor. And this is good. This is also part of the surprise that I'm going to tell you about my family, about my dad, but it's going to be in another show, but People did not give my father a bottle of alcohol. People would give my father cases of alcohol. It's the truth. We had a room downstairs in our house, and the whole wall was stacked full of cases of alcohol. Now, I'm not going to tell you where that alcohol came from or the surprise part about all that, but I'll get to it. And it's an interesting part of my story. But because my house was so full of alcohol, and even at that young age, I wasn't drinking all the time yet, but I would still, I would sneak it any chance I could get. So growing up in a mountain town, um, we all had CB radios in the vehicles and in, in the home. We all had CBs. And so my father worked in the city an hour away. So when he would get, you know, 15, 10 minutes away from the house, he would call us on CB radio, let us know he was almost home. And my job was to make my dad a gin and tonic. Well, fantastic. That's an awesome job for me because now I get to take a little bit of a taste. And, you know, and I did. So anyway, so I started to drink. That's the first thing I said I would never do. And I started to do that. I started to drink. I don't remember exactly when I started to smoke cigarettes, but I started to smoke cigarettes. Then 
I said, well, that's it. Okay. I'm drinking, I'm smoking cigarettes. I said, but I'm not going, I'm not doing drugs. Well, then I, I remember Louie offered me and Louie grew up kind of rough. Also, Louie was a good friend of mine. Good guy, but he grew up rough. Also he did. And, uh, well, I remember, I remember Louie saying, Hey, try some of this and start smoking me on that joint. And, uh, I started smoking pot and I said, well, well, that's it. I mean, I'm not going to do anything else. So now I'm drinking, I'm smoking cigarettes, I'm smoking pot. I said, that's enough. So I remember, I don't remember exactly which age I was, but I went to a friend's house and they had this white powder. They said, hey, hey, Rob, you want to try some of this? It's like, no, nah, man, I don't want that. I don't want none of that. They're like, oh, come on, try some of this. Oh, well, you know what? Why not? So I snorted my first bit of cocaine. And man, I got messed up, boy. That cocaine really messed me up. I got high, high, high. And you know what? I loved it all. I loved it all. All of it. All of it took me away from the realities of my life. I hated my life. I hated myself. I was a, I'm still kind of skinny. I got a little bit of a belly now. Plus, I got chicken legs, you know what I mean? And But I was a string bean back then. And I hated that. I was shy and awkward and withdrawn. I hated that. I just, they were, I didn't want to be at home because I hated my father. I wasn't happy with my mom being married to my father. And I wasn't happy with my sister because she didn't like me. I didn't like her. And so, but all that stuff started to happen. So, I mean, one of the things I was addicted to was more. I wanted more. It was never enough for me, even at such a young age. By the time I was 14 years old, and that's as far as I'm going to go in age, but by the time I was 14 years old, I was a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict, smoking cigarettes. And my parents kind of knew about what was going on. I mean, you can't really hide that stuff that well. And I would come home, bloodshot eyes or something, and I'd, you know, I'd really get, I'd really get a whooping. And, um, but, you know, like I said last week, the more that I got punished, the more I would go out and do it and say, how about this old man and take a, take a toke off a joint or how about this old man and, you know, snort some cocaine and drop some mescaline or some, eat some mushrooms or, you know, whatever it was I had to do because it was my escape. And that's all there is to it. So I'm addicted to all this stuff, but I have found a way for me to escape. And unfortunately, that was it. And so not only, not only, yeah, you think you can hide it though, but nah, I did too. I thought I was smart. I really did, Kat. I, I thought I was smart, Lee. I, I, I thought I was brilliant. I was just a stupid kid, man. You know, I was just a stupid kid. And um, so I couldn't hide any of it. I was getting into a lot of trouble. So now, you know, now, so even though I'm up in this little mountain town, I told you I was only about an hour and a half or so away from New York City. 
So the drugs were readily available. Not only that, but now we're talking only 1982, right? We're talking about 80, 81, 82. It, was, it wasn't that hard for me to get one of the older kids to buy a six-pack of beer for me or a, a Boone's Farm wine. Everybody remember Boone? Put your hand up if you remember Boone's Farm wine because, man, we used to buy it by the case. And we partied, man. We partied hard up there in West Milford, New Jersey. We partied. Now, back when I grew up in West Milford, New Jersey, I think there was two police officers and two detectives. And I think they were all crooked, you know. So, you know, if we were outside partying and everything, there, there just wasn't a whole lot to stop us. There really wasn't. And I got always got along with the older crowd. The old, cause they stuck up for me for one, because they knew they knew my life at home. So the older crowds, they stuck up for me. I, I remember some of the meanest, baddest, toughest kids older than the older than me, the ones that you didn't mess with, that nobody in town messed with. I got along with all of them. And most of my friends didn't. They didn't like most of my friends, but they liked me because I was because I was shy and awkward and withdrawn. I didn't have a big mouth back then. I didn't I didn't really talk a whole lot. I could go hours and hours and hours. I still can actually, but but back then I really stayed quiet and just kind of hung. And therefore they allowed me to be around them. So so here I am. So I'm and now I'm having to have to steal money from wherever I can get it. Anywhere I can get money, I'm stealing it from. Back then, I used to steal a lot from uh, from my, my friends' parents and stuff. I mean, anyway, if you left your pocketbook laying there unguarded, I was going to go into that pocketbook, and I was going to steal your money. Guaranteed. That's what I was going to do. That's the way it was. That's the way I was. People didn't know I was doing this stuff, but I, I didn't really get caught a lot doing that. Every once in a while, people would think that I did it, and, you know, I would deny, 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 but but I had to get money from somewhere to pay for everything that I was doing. So, 14 years old. 14. Such a scrawny little kid. And I was just doing, I was, I, I was horrible. I was a terror to my parents. They couldn't stop me. They couldn't control me. They could beat the crap out of me. They could put a curfew on me. They could do stuff like that. Um, but they couldn't really control me. So, was I a bad kid? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Let's read a couple scriptures about being a liar, a cheat, and a thief. I've got a couple right here about that since I'm talking about it. <coughs> Out of Levit Leviticus 19.13. You shall not defraud your neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired should not abide with you all night until the morning. Well, I stole from my neighbors. I stole from anybody I could get my hands on. And I'm anybody, anywhere, anytime. Because I, I had to have that high. I had to have it. It was the only way I could escape. I was addicted to it. That's all I had. I didn't have anything else. Sad, isn't it? I think it is, but that's the way it was. Galatians 6, 7. 
Be not deceived. Elohim is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And I read that because there's no doubt about it that on throughout my life, people used to steal from me also. And things used to happen to me. Bad things used to happen to me. So as I was a bad person, as I was a bad kid, as I was an atheist, so also things came upon me. The devil had free range with me because at that point I didn't have Yah. Look, don't get me wrong about what I'm saying. I know that Yah was with me all the time. But as we read in the Bible, he will lift his hand of protection if we're not doing good. I wasn't doing good. He lifted his hand of protection. He said, go ahead, Robert. I was Rob or Robbie back then. Go ahead. Be that way. And I'm going to let the adversary have you. And so it was. So that's what happened to me. Um, trying to see what other. Here's some more about being a thief. Let's read these also. Because I think, again, these scriptures can really help with kids these days. If we will read these scriptures, if we will teach our kids this stuff, then they don't have to be like me. They have a choice. I didn't feel like I had a choice. Don't get me wrong. I know all about free will today. That at any time I could have done something different. But at the way I was brought up and everything, honestly, I don't feel like I had a choice. I feel like I was just stuck where I was at. And that was the path I was on. And I wasn't going to veer off that path. So I'm hoping these scriptures, if we'll teach our kids this stuff, God, I don't want them to be like me growing up. What a horrible way to be. I blew all the chances that I had, you know. So anyway, let's read Leviticus. No, wait, I already read that. Leviticus 19.11. This one's simple. Ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Liar, cheat, thief, alcoholic, drug addict, bad student, bad brother, bad son. So I need to go on, right? No, I do not. Let's read some more that I wrote down about fears. Because I was running away from myself. I was running away from my fears. Again, I'm an atheist also. There's no God in my house. When I got old enough, and I think it was right around the age of 11 or 12, I think, my mom gave me the choice. She said, do you want to keep going back to church or not? She gave me the choice. I don't want to go back to church. I wasn't learning anything. I didn't want to be there. I was just going through the motions and stopped going to church altogether. And it really wasn't doing anything anyway. And I think she understood that. You know, I think she knew that. Just had to stop everything altogether. Um, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your Elohim. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I like to think that if I would have had that scripture in my life back then, if it would have been taught in my household, maybe I would have decided to take in a different path. 
I didn't have any of this stuff. I didn't know anything about these scriptures. Psalm 34, 4. I sought Yahweh, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Well, I, I sought alcohol and drugs and stealing and lying and thieving. That's what I sought to deliver me from my fears. Because I didn't have any other solution. Nobody was helping me. Beating the crap out of me was not stopping me from doing the things I was doing. So if I would have had Yahweh, if I would have sought Yahweh, he would have heard me and he would have delivered me from my fears. Maybe I would not have had to do what I was doing. This is my point. This is this is why I'm laying it on the table and reading these scriptures. Again, I'm, I, I can't say it enough, and I'm going to say it a thousand times by the time I'm all said and done teaching this message. Bring this to the children. Bring this to an adult. Bring this to anybody. That needs to, We all need to hear this. Again, every single person needs to hear this. Every person in the world needs to hear that. And then maybe instead of seeking the, the bad things that we seek to run from our fears, if we seek Yahweh or if we can get other people to seek Yahweh instead of those bad things, they'll be delivered from their fears. That's a wonderful message. That's what I'm trying to get across here. All right. I am looking. Nina, I've got. I've got some scripture right here about family curses, generational sin. I've got a couple that I'm going to read, Nina, because that's a big part. And I absolutely believe all that stuff, you know. So I'm going to read one more about fears. That might be it for my, for my scripture, except for family curses. I can't believe I've been yapping for almost 50 minutes already. I hope you guys are getting some out of this. I really do. I really hope. That you guys are getting. And remember, you got my email up here. Send me some emails. I only received one email last week. And thank you so much for sending that to me. What a wonderful message it was. But seriously, folks, reach out to me. It's hard for me to read the comments. Reach out to my email right here. If you got a story you want to share. And I'll keep you anonymous. If you don't want anybody to know who you are, I won't say your names. I promise. But if you got something you want to share and you want to send me an email, send it to me. Let's talk about it. Let's do it, man. That's, that's why I'm putting it up there for everybody to see. Because I want you to be able to contact me. I, I'll answer you. I'll, I'll talk to you through the email. I'd love to. Let's read 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For Elohim has not given us the ruach of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. As I'm reading that, I've got loud thunder going on right outside my window right here. You might have been able to hear it. It's pouring down rain. <clears throat> Let me read that again. 2 Timothy 1.7 For Elohim has not given us the ruach of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> well, because I was an atheist, because I didn't believe in Yah, and because I was doing everything that I was doing on the path that I was on, I didn't receive this. It was there for me to have. See, I know that all along. I know that Yah and his army of angels was always around me. But 
you know, like I said, I learned everything the hard way, always the hard way for me, right? So I didn't have that ruach, or I did, I had the ruach of fear, right? I had that. But Yah is saying that's not what he's supposed to be given. He's given us power and love and a sound mind. I just didn't have that. So those are my scriptures on fears. Those are my scriptures on being a, a, a liar, a cheat, and a thief, right? We read some of that stuff. Um, I'm going to read a couple on these family curses because I absolutely believe 100% my father was just a bad person. I mean, all the boys in his family. Now, here's the interesting part. My father was the oldest out of 13. I want to say that there was seven brothers and six sisters. The six sisters, as crazy as hell as they were, they never really got into trouble. They didn't have the addictions or any of that. None of the sisters had it. But the brothers were absolutely nuts. My father and his brothers were crazy. And I've heard some stories about what happened when you went up against those brothers. And I've seen it happen at weddings. I saw, oh my, you wouldn't believe what I've seen my, my uncles do. They were all mean. They were all crazy. And almost all of them, except for my my Uncle Donnie, I hate throwing my uncle. I'm not throwing my uncles under the bus because I love them all. I really do. But uh, they've all outlived my father. But they're all crazy, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, God, those guys were bad, bad. You didn't want to mess with them, with them bros. You did not want to mess with them. So it's interesting to understand. I'm talking about family curses here that the guys were all crazy, but the girls weren't so bad. They really weren't. They really didn't get in a lot of trouble or anything. So anyway, let's read a couple things about family curses, just because that was something that was brought up last week and it was brought up this week. So let's talk just a little bit about it. I Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call the heavens and the earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Well, we know which way my dad's side of the family is. Let me let me talk to you about this, too. Here's the, here's the crazy part. So you got my mom and my father. My father and his whole side of the family, not just his immediate family, brothers and sisters, but the whole side of the family seems like there's, there's all sorts of issues, drugs and alcohol, all sorts of crazy stuff going on with my dad's side of the family. My mom's side of the family, no alcoholics, no drug addicts. They all went to college and had good jobs and lived good lives. Two totally opposite people, my mom and my father, two totally opposite people. So, Let's read Exodus 34, 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation what we're talking about generational curses family curses i believe no doubt about it somewhere along the lines on my father's side 
who knows how far back it goes. It may have been from the very beginning. I don't know. That they were sinners and against Yah and probably atheist and probably bad people. And therefore, generation after generation after generation, children after children after children. And remind you, not mostly, mostly the guys. And here I am, right? So I've, you know, me and my wife, we, you know, throughout the years, we tried different churches and, and, and different things. Nothing bad, just regular churches, you know. And uh, we've had people pray for us for these generational curses. And we tried to pray it away and pray it away and pray it away. <clears throat> and, and I do believe that all that prayer um, is definitely helping and is, it is doing good. And we're hoping to change that course, change that generational curse. My ancestors were Romans. I'm doomed. I hear you, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. So, Hey, you know, back at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the generational curse is for sure. So folks, uh, not too sure if I've really missed a whole lot here. I've really tried to touch on. I'm just looking at my notes real quick just to just to see. It seemed like there was something else. There was one other thing I wanted to mention and how stupid I am about a dumb kid. And I mentioned to you that I played baseball and I loved to play baseball. And I, I was really bad in the beginning, but I actually started to get really good on throughout the years. And and when I started doing the drinking and the drugs and all that, I was actually still playing baseball. So it was kind of all, all intertwined at that moment. But shortly after that, I stole a bicycle. I'm not going to go into the stupid story, but I stole a bicycle. That's, that's what it comes down to. Well, besides, besides the, the alcohol and the drugs and the cigarettes and all that, get me away from my fears. I really enjoyed that baseball. It was really the only other thing that I had going on in my life. And I really was starting to get good coming up into the new year. I found out I was going to be made team captain and it was a town league. It was, it was big up there, little league and it was a town league and out and on my team that I had been on for years and years, same team. I was actually, I had gotten so good that my coach was going to make me team captain the the, the new year coming up. And I, and I must have been, I was probably 13, right? 13, 14. I was right there, right there, heavy into everything. I stole a bicycle. I got caught stealing a bicycle. I got the crap knocked out of me. Matter of fact, that was one of the times when I really thought that my father was going to kill me. And I can remember, I remember this too. I was down playing tennis with my sister and, uh, and make a long story short, I seen my father with the guy who was the father of the son whose bicycle I stole coming and, and I knew I was in trouble. But anyway, I remember my I remember my dad being on top of me and my mom said, I can remember her yelling, Stop, you're gonna kill him. You're going to kill him. And he was gonna kill me. He was mad, mad, mad about that one. And uh, I ended up uh, I didn't get any broken ribs, but I was pretty bruised up pretty bad. He was kicking me, punching me on top of me. I mean, it, it, it was bad. But I stole a bicycle. 
Well, again, I didn't learn my lesson. I didn't learn the lesson. But the, after that, the punishment was I had to quit baseball. I wasn't allowed to play baseball. He took the he took one of the things he knew how much that meant to me, and he took that away from me, and that really set me off on a on a course of revenge. And not only did he take that away from me, but he made me call my baseball coach, tell my baseball coach what I did and why I wasn't going to be allowed to play baseball anymore. And I had to do that. And my, I remember I remember my baseball coach being so disappointed because I was going to be team captain. I was really starting to be good at something. I was starting to be good at something. I had something good in my life. Even though I had the bad stuff mixed in with it, I still had that something good. And when my father took that one thing, that one good thing away, all I was left with was the bad. That's all I was left with. I still, I will never forget this for the rest of my life that that was taken away from me. I've talked to my wife about it many times. I'm pretty sure I have. I I hate that that was taken away from me. To this day, I think about, man, I wonder if I could have played high school baseball. I wonder if I could have gone to college and played baseball. I was actually getting good. I was hitting home runs. I was a catcher. That's what I did. I mean, I was really getting good. I was getting, I was getting that good to where maybe – Maybe I could have done something with that. And my father knew it. My father knew. And he took it out of my life. And I was left with nothing but the bad. This is the first time I've ever thought of it that way. I was left with nothing but the bad at that point. That one last good thing was taken away from me. Darn, you know. So anyway, folks, so it's been about an hour. I appreciate you guys being with me. My father, with Dan is saying, my father was six foot four, two thirty five, with no fat. Wow, that's big. My father was not quite that tall. That that's big. That is big. Wow, man. I really appreciate you guys being here. I uh, I hadn't got a chance to read a lot. Mine, Nina, say mine were pagan Vikings. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, Brother Lee's on here talking about the Falklands War actually killed people as well as a drunk. Wow. No kidding. You know what? We all need to be praying for each other about these generational curses that may be upon us. This is something serious, folks. This, you, you see what this is bringing out, folks, by me, by me talking? This is what I wanted. By me putting it out there for you guys, by me being the, the example I see some stuff coming out now, and we all need to be praying for each other. And we all need to be asking Yah to break these generational curses. Excuse me. Break them. Get rid of them. So that any seed coming from us, I personally have never had any children. Um, but... I hope that all the generational curses can be broken. Anyway, folks, I don't think I had anything else to talk about. I think that was that brings me to the age of 14. 
Um, I don't have my notes on me. I don't remember what I'm going to be talking about um, next week, but we move further into my life, further into my addiction, further into trouble, and further, most importantly, folks, further into scripture. That's that's the most important part, bringing the scripture into all of this. So, Amen to you, brother. I I want to say your I want to say your name, and I'm going to screw it up, and I feel bad. Hakumba, am I saying that right? Hakumba. I hope I I hope I am. I know you said you'd call you Dan. I love you too, brother. I love you too. I love all of you so much. And I'm telling you that if nobody's told you yet today, I love you, and I care for you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't just say things. You ask my wife. If I say it, I stick by it. Otherwise, I won't say it. I'm stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. Trust me. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> um, so anyway, folks. Ha, kum, ba. Thank you. I, I just want to get it right, brother. I really do. I'm, I'm horrible with names and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to be rude. Believe me, I told you, I, I am not a rude person. I just want to get it right. So thank you for showing that. But Dan is better, so Dan it is. We will call you Dan. Thank you, brother, for being here with me. Brothers and sisters, thank you, my wonderful wife. Thank you so much for being with me. Come back next Wednesday. Trust me, we're just getting started on all this, folks. We are just getting started. Wait until I got for you next week with the ages that I'm going up into. Stuff is going to keep on getting more interesting. Scriptures are going to keep on getting better. So again, thank you. Send me your emails, anything you want to talk about or you just want to comment on. Thank you for being with me. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much, brother. You guys are great. Thanks for hanging with me for this hour. Tell people about this show. Let's spread the word. Let's get the hope out there because there's hope in Yah. There's help in Yah and there's love in Yah. And that is what we're trying to bring forth. So thank you all so much. I'm going to once again figure out how to get out of here.